Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. So this episode has come about because we've had quite a few people messaging us and asking us to talk about different things on the podcast. And one thing that we noticed that's had a real common theme lately is around difficult conversations, how to have them when you're a new manager. How do you start with learning how to deliver those difficult messages and have those difficult conversations and one thing that, that we thought would be really useful and something that Jackie actually does lots of workshops on is something called Radical Candor. Not many people have heard of Radical Candor, but honestly, once once you've read the book or you've listened to the um, audio book, you will absolutely love it and wish you would have known about it so much sooner. I'm going to let Jackie talk through the framework because it's an absolutely brilliant framework and Jackie knows a lot more about it than I do. Jackie, talk us through Radical Candor. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite frameworks and it's one that, like you say, I do use this quite a bit in workshops because what used to be called difficult conversations and the iterations that it's gone through, so then challenging conversations and now courageous conversations, it's all kind of different terminology, um, but it's one of the most commonly requested pieces of leadership development because as a leader, you have a responsibility to have those conversations. There are messages that you need to deliver that your role requires you to deliver. And if you don't have a framework or you don't have the right words or you don't have the approach, naturally that is going to feel difficult. So that it always used to be called difficult conversations. And then I think what kind of recognized was that from a mindset perspective, calling them difficult conversations doesn't exactly set you up for success. And when I share the framework of radical candor with people, they often have that kind of ah, moment where it's just a really simple framework that helps people to start to kind of position and think about how they can deliver a, a tough message without being a horrible person. And I think that's the type of people that I tend to work with is people who it's like, I still want to be a nice person, but I know that I've got to do this. Radical Candor is a framework by an author called Kim Scott. And a lot of her background was in fast growing tech companies in America. So a lot of her examples that she shares in the book come from her time at Google. And the idea behind it is that there is effectively two kind of dimensions that she talks about when you are delivering framework. So two things that matter. And one is that you care personally about feedback that you are giving. And the other is that you challenge directly. So there's a YouTube video where she explains it herself. It's six minutes or so, and we can put a link to that in the show notes. But in essence, her message is show that you care personally 
and also challenge directly. And that's where you will get the greatest impact in terms of your message landing. And you will avoid some of the mistakes that are common if you feel uncomfortable or if you feel reticent to have a challenging conversation. So by caring personally, she's really talking about introducing that kind of human element of we're not robots. There's this element where you go into work and there can be this feeling that you're supposed to leave all emotion behind and put a professional mask on. And her philosophy is very much about we're all humans. When we turn up at work, we're all just flawed, imperfect people. We all have lives beyond work. We all have other stuff that goes on. And so showing that you have some kind of care, compassion, empathy for somebody and that you see them as a person rather than just robotic number employee is really important. And that if you don't have that then the risk is that your message isn't going to land because people won't have the trust that you're actually delivering it with their best intention at heart. So care personally is the one dimension. And then the other is this challenge directly. And this is the philosophy that if you've shown that you care personally about someone, then not to challenge them directly is doing them a disservice because what you're doing is doing what's comfortable for you rather than what is necessary for that person's growth. And I think, again, when you have that kind of mindset that if I'm not willing to challenge people, then I'm not allowing them to fulfill their potential. I'm not allowing them to grow as much as they could then it starts to get you to that point where you go, okay, yeah, I do need to do both of these things. I, I'm a nice person and I care. I also do need to challenge someone directly. So it's about finding the, the mechanism and the words and, and how to approach it that you do both of those things together is that sweet spot in terms of what radical candor is. And one thing that I love about the naming of the framework is that what she talks about is the difference between candor and honesty, which is quite subtle, but honesty assumes there is a finite truth, whereas candor is about you speaking your truth. So it's almost doing it, delivering feedback with a degree of humility and an, an understanding that what you think is true may not be the absolute truth. So it's about you being candid with people and you sharing your perspective, but respecting the fact that they may see or understand or experience the world differently. And therefore that in itself for me can get into some really juicy and interesting discussions and conversations. So that's my kind of overview, if you like, in a couple of minutes on, on Radical Candor and what it is. Yeah, I love that as well. And I think it's easier, isn't it, as, as a leader, and especially if you're a new leader or even if you're an established leader, starting to have difficult conversations, as, you know, as what we've always known them or challenging conversations, just challenging people generally can be hard. And I think one of the things like what you just said there is a lot of people will say, can I be honest with you? And then it's a hard one, isn't it? Because that might not be their perception or their reality. Whereas after reading radical candor can I be radically candid with you is it's a much easier way 
to to start that conversation, isn't it? And I suppose it's about understanding the framework yourself and then making sure that is that's fed through the team and that your team are on that same page as well. Because I think once you all understand the framework and how that works and how you then are radically candid with each other, it just makes life as a leader so much easier. And you will then create the high-performing team. You, you'll have a more motivated team. And you will feel better about delivering those difficult messages because, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be coming from a different place and your confidence will increase and you'll see that your team's confidence will increase as well. And I think that's the key, isn't it? When you can have those candid conversations and you can help people develop, that makes you feel great as a leader, seeing people develop and knowing that you've been responsible for that. But also that development in yourself as well. Like there's no better feeling is there than feeling like you're absolutely smashing it as a leader where you can see your team progressing and your confidence growing at the same time. Absolutely. And I think first off, picking up on that point that you said about that kind of common language and working within a team. Yeah, I feel that is really useful and really helpful and that's part of why the workshops work really well because it's not just one person adopting this approach and suddenly being more candid than they've previously been it's about that kind of awareness of that shift to we're going to have some conversations that might feel a little bit uncomfortable from time to time but this is what we're aiming for and then we can also then gauge how well are we doing that are those conversations different now than what we used to have as a team and are we finding the language and the approach and the ways that make some of those messages land differently because if you get a tough message from someone who cares for you still thinks that you're great then it's not a judgment on you as a person it's for your development and growth that lands so differently than if you get that same message from someone where it feels like a judgment or a criticism so it's it's so important to have that relationship investment. And I think the other thing is, although it's a really useful framework for those challenging conversations, surrounding it, what she talks about is two things. One thing she talks about is get it before you give it. So as a leader, she suggests having a go-to question so that you can get radically candid feedback from your team and make it easier for them to give you feedback. The other thing is that she talks about having a ratio of three to one in favor of radically candid praise, i.e. specific, showing that you care about the person and being direct about that specific thing that you're praising somebody for. So that's the kind of emotional investment in the relationship where if you are giving somebody praise more often than you're giving them critique or developmental feedback, then that feels very different in that relationship because that person knows that you care about them, knows that they matter. And so their experience when they have that more challenging feedback is very different than if that's all they ever hear. So I think it's worthwhile sharing that although the framework is about being able to have those more challenging conversations, and that's a lot of how we use it in the workshops, it's not just about that. It's also about thinking about how do I get better feedback? How do I lead by example and have some of that vulnerability as a leader by inviting feedback that might not feel comfortable? 
But by doing that, I'm role modeling how I respond to feedback and I'm showing people that I will listen and I will take on board and I will adapt and change based on those messages. So yeah, for me, it's one of those things where if I'd have had it in the early part of my career, it would have made so much sense of things that took me a lot of trial and error to work out. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree with that as well. One of the things that that was quite interesting for me was around the praise sandwich because Kim Scott doesn't like the praise sandwich, does she? We don't call it the praise sandwich. No. (laughs) We call it the shit sandwich. (laughs) And it definitely is shit, isn't it? Because you just know, like, when you're getting it. And 16, 17 years ago, when I went through my very first ever leadership uh, workshop as a brand new leader. I was so excited. And one of the first things that they taught me was the good old shit sandwich. And I hate it. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's got to be a better way to give someone feedback than... Yeah, it still gets recommended. I still see questions where people will ask, "I've I've got this message that I've got to deliver. How should I do it? And somebody will suggest because that's what they know it's what they've been taught and this is no judgment on you if you've been taught that and if you're using it it's saying there are better ways more effective ways to deliver a tricky message and yeah it's the thing is that was just ubiquitous I was exactly the same I was shown that was the first one that I did on my first management workshops and that was donkeys years ago, but that was seen as the right approach at the time. So yeah, I feel like probably just massive solidarity with Kim Scott for yes, let's get rid of it. Let's banish it. It is terrible. It does not land well. Yeah. And I suppose as well, I think, you know, one of the things that it is difficult, I think, whether when when you're a new leader and also when you're an established leader, because I suppose there's two sides of it as well, showing how you care personally about someone so that when you do deliver those challenging messages or have those challenging conversations that it lands in the right way. And I suppose as a new leader, you're learning, you're learning how to build that rapport with your team. You're learning how to get to know them in a way that's not too friendly, that you've still got, that you're still leading that team without becoming too friendly with the team so it's a fine line isn't there between becoming too friendly my view around that is I've anybody that I've ever managed I've always been really friendly with but I've also delivered the feedback and delivered the challenges and almost and the way that that I work and the way that I've always taught my staff trained my staff developed the people that have worked for me in in the way that you get to know the people. And one of the things that I did was ask them, how do you want to receive feedback from me? If I need to challenge you, how do you want to hear that from me? If I'm going to give you praise, how do you want to hear that? Because for some people, if if you're just delivering praise and criticism or performance-related feedback, if you're delivering it in the same way for every single person, it might not land right with all of those people. So I always ask people, and I think you can do that as a new leader. Sometimes it can be easier to do that because you're learning and you're new and it's known that you're new. So it's, it's okay for you to ask those questions. But when you're a more established leader, I think some of the challenges that you find is 
adopting new ways of working because you've been doing something a certain way and now it's okay how do I change how do I start integrating this and the easiest way is just asking people how what is the best way for me to deliver x y and z to you because if you ask people and a lot of people will say I don't know I've never been asked that question that's what I used to hear a lot and I used to say think about it or what I'd do is I'd say I'm going to give you this feedback or there's some observations or whatever and see how it lands with them was that the right way for me to deliver that feedback to you like how has that landed with you how are you feeling and all that kind of stuff and in that way you you're also showing that you care personally that you're not just you're not just hitting them slapping them in the face with feedback because sometimes if people are doing something wrong or there's something that you need to challenge them on a lot of the time they they think they're on the right track so it's always a difficult one I think to find that you know that balance in what's the right way to deliver and I always found that if you ask people they will always even if they don't know first they will as time goes on and you give them more and more feedback they they will tell you you know how they're feeling and then you can adapt and change it as you go and that's about that kind of ongoing building of the relationship and people won't always know the first time you ask them that question but by asking them that question, it then provokes that thought. And then there may be realizations later, or like you say, as you give it, you can then gauge how has that landed? How is it that's felt? And you can read people's body language and you can ask them the question of, so how has that landed? What's happening for you having just received that message? And I think it's a really interesting one, that question about can you be friendly? Can you be friends with team members at work? And I know I've had this with leaders that I've worked with where they've had that kind of worry, if you like, of I've got to stop being friends with anyone at work once I get to a leadership level. And it's, in my view, that's a really outdated perspective. I think it's a kind of stems from very hierarchical kind of when leadership roles were, you know, you were in an office upstairs somewhere and the workers were on the shop floor type. This view that you couldn't be friends with people, I feel is a legacy from that kind of era. And there are pros and cons. So some people will find it challenging, more challenging to have friendly relationships or friendships with members of their team than others will. And for me, I guess I would always say that I have had friendships. I've both reported to people that I considered to be friends and that I had a social relationship with outside of work. And I've had members of my team who I was friendly with would consider a friend. And I think what comes with that is the responsibility to understand and to appreciate how that feels for others. And to be respectful, because what you can't do is allow that to translate into that person being a favorite or that person getting away with things that other people wouldn't get away with. It's being respectful of professional boundaries. So what are the things that you can and can't do at work? But it's also, again, acknowledging that there will be times where potentially things will feel more challenging because you naturally do care personally. You've more invested in that relationship because you have more of a friendship, but that doesn't mean that you can neglect your responsibilities as a manager and leader. You've still got to commit to doing what is necessary and what your role 
requires you to do. I don't have a fixed view and it's often with coaching clients, it's that kind of working out if they've been, because again, often that comes from really poor feedback that they've just been told you shouldn't be friends with people in your team with no explanation and no reason why. And it's helping them to figure out, okay, what is the consequence and do I acknowledge and accept those consequences and do I choose to continue and have those more friendly relationships? And for me, I've generally found that to be a positive thing. I've found that there's more positives than negatives in having a friendly relationship with members of my team. Overall, I would say it's about making those choices and acknowledging that if you do have friendly relationships, there will be challenges that will come with it, but if they're worth it and if you're prepared to take those consequences, then I don't think it's a bad thing to have friends or friendships with people at work. Yeah, I think as well, some of the best teams that I've managed, I've become really quite friendly with the teams. But as you say, with that become that then comes the responsibility that you have to have those candid conversations. You have to challenge them because I think two things can happen when you become friendly with people in work and that's you start pushing them. Or you don't challenge them. So I suppose it's one and the same thing. But actually, you feel like when you've become friendly with someone, I can't have those difficult conversations or those challenging conversations anymore because now we're friends. So what are they going to think of me? Will we still be friends? What's going to happen to that relationship? And I think as as the friend, as the leader, it's, it, it is your responsibility to make sure that you are consistently pushing people forward helping them to develop making sure that as a team you're working together that you've got that motivated team and I do think that comes from being able to challenge it's always about that stretch and challenge isn't it when you're challenging people to achieve that's when they're motivated that's when they're striving to achieve things and that's when they're motivated to come to work if you let your team become stagnant and there's no real challenge there then that's where people get bored they start leaving they, they lose interest don't they and it's you can see that sometimes in teams especially like when you go into businesses to to support businesses with their teams and from a leadership point of view you can really see where people have lost interest and it's nice isn't it to be able to go in and give them that little bit of a boost and give them some different things to think about and some new ways to process things and I absolutely love doing that and I know that's something that you absolutely love doing as well and it's it can make such a difference and you you can see within a matter of weeks once people start looking at things through through a different perspective and it it really does help drive the team forward and the business forward. And at the end of the day, that's what you're there for, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think if you are in that boat where you've got that element of either your team are perhaps not motivated or as engaged as you'd like, or you've maybe got the flip side where you've got those friendly relationships and it all feels a bit comfortable as opposed to the being enough challenge, then Radical Candor is a really helpful framework. And I, yeah, absolutely can't recommend highly enough that you go and read the book, have a look at the um, YouTube video that we'll link to in the show notes. And if you do need support with that, if you do want some external support, then do drop us a line, get in touch, because for both of us, there is that massive passion in ensuring that teams can 
support and work together effectively. So as ever, thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please do share it with anyone that you feel it would be helpful for. And please do rate and review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. We absolutely love reading when people have, especially the written reviews, when people have taken time to share what they've learned and what they've put into practice as a result of it is brilliant for us to be able to see. So yeah, give us some radically candid praise if you found it helpful and we will be back with you next time. Thanks for listening.